Welcome to The Alignment Show, featuring conversations with folks who have taken steps to identify their highest values and align their lives around them. Time on this earth is not unlimited, and you may be seeking to make sure you spend your time on things that matter to you. These conversations will encourage you and support you in doing so. Now, let's meet this week's guest on The Alignment Show. And a good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time it may be in your part of the world. Thank you for being with us once again here on The Alignment Show. I am your host, Don King, and I will be with you uh, both live and virtually today. We have a guest who is coming to us via recording. I really appreciate her doing that because I had a conflict this morning. Uh, but I will still be here live to be able to watch the uh, chat, see what comments that you might have. Uh, we'll be able to pass those on to our guest and uh, answer in real time as much as we can here. In any case, our episode this week is brought to you by my latest book coming out, Medium Well. You can see the cover. I guess it's over here on this side. Uh, Medium Well is the next book in the, um, um, the Sparklight Chronicles. Couldn't think of it for just a second there. And if you have an interest in learning more about it, then you can get the first scene of that book. It is a business parable, which means that it's a good story that also teaches some principles about uh, self-understanding, about self-acceptance, figuring out your place in the world, dealing with doubt. All of these kind of things come into play in medium well. No obligation, but you can get that by following this QR code if you're on with us visually or by going to donking.com, that's D-O-N-N-K-I-N-G.com slash medium well first. And so I will put that up on the screen as well, just in case somebody would rather do it the old-fashioned way. I kind of tend that way myself, quite honestly. But in any case, we are glad this week to have somebody speaking of books, somebody who is close to my heart in what she does. This is uh, Deborah Keevan. Uh, now, you'll see her last name on screen. You might think it's Kevin, but she pronounces it Keevan. And she is the founder and chief inspiration officer of Highlander Press. Now, these days, there's a lot of change in the publishing industry. Traditional publishers don't do things the way they used to. There's a lot of independent publishing. Uh, there is kind of this in-between space. And while there are a lot of people that kind of take advantage of authors in that space, there are several, including Highlander Press, that really live to serve the needs of authors who want to deal with today's publishing, but who aren't quite sure how to get into it. So Deborah loves helping change makers tap into and share their stories of healing and truth with impactful books. She has guided hundreds of authors to craft and publish impactful books they're proud of. She is a graduate of uh, Stanford University's novel writing program. In 2021, she graduated from Western Colorado University's master's degree in publishing, which is an unusual degree really making an impact on the industry these days, though. And so we're very happy to have had a conversation with her about how she got here. Now, you might think I'm not ever going to be a publisher. You may not even think you're going to be a writer. Number one, you might be surprised. 
And number two, the way that we achieve those things that matter most to us can be very similar regardless of what the profession might be. So let's go ahead and get Deborah Keevan on for our conversation this week. So this week on The Alignment Show, we're pleased to have somebody who is active in the publishing community. Now, you know that The Alignment Show is not primarily a writer's show, but we have a lot of writers who come on here just by the nature of what we do. You know, The Alignment Show, for those of you who might be new, we are looking at uh, living your values to value your life. It's not just because of the pandemic, but a lot of folks through the pandemic realize life is short. You don't want to spend it doing something you don't want to do. Writers, by their nature, uh, confront that sort of thing. And so I'm very pleased to have with us this week, Deborah Keevan. I think my uh, real self has introduced her a little more deeply. And so let's go ahead and get uh, Debbie, Deborah. Uh, she goes by either one. Let's get her on stage. Uh, Debbie, thank you very much for being on The Alignment Show. Oh, Don, thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Now, you are a publisher but you haven't done that all of your life. There's something that led you into that. Before we started recording, I think you told me that you had started, and I don't know if you started with this, but you had started out doing web pages, which is a Well, that was my first gig as an entrepreneur, but I, my background, actually, I say I'm a reformed CPA, so I used to work in the finance world for a couple of the big six firms. I moved to a private industry for a Fortune 500 company where I ran the change leadership um, area of a big Six Sigma process for a number of years. And uh, I actually left the corporate world in 2010 when my youngest child was diagnosed with autism. And so it really gave me an opportunity. It gave me a break to sort of examine what I wanted to do with my life and where I wanted to go. Okay. Okay. Now making that move into entrepreneurship of any type is not a tiny step. Uh, It it sounds like with the autism diagnosis, and by the way, I relate on some level, I have a severely disabled daughter. It's a different kind of, of challenge, but I understand about, okay, I need to be able to deal with my kids. Yeah. Uh, the, the, um, you, you and I both know, uh, Joanna Penn, Joe, um, as this goes out, she was on the show a few weeks back. She talks about the three F's that drive a writer, freedom, fortune, and fame. And she's very clear that freedom is the primary driver for her. Was that what took you into entrepreneurship or was it some other aspect of that? You know, I think ultimately it's interesting because you can't see, but over to my left here is a vision board with the word freedom on it. And I relate to freedom. And I think what happened for me at that juncture was I'd worked since I was 16 years old. And I just did what my generation of ancestors did before, which was show up for work and do my thing and do it well and excel and grow. And, and uh, I was burnt out and I didn't realize it. And then once I had that break, and as you said, you know, really focusing on my children, because I have two, and understanding the new language, it gave me an opportunity to say, well, what do I want to do? And when that leave of absence came up, I'm like, I literally was sick to my stomach. I can't go back. 
I didn't know what was in front of me. I did know that I'd been prudent and done a lot of saving. And so I was very fortunate to be able to have the luxury of making that choice. But it didn't even start out as me doing websites. It was kind of a, I'll volunteer and do some things. And, and uh, how can you build me this website? And then I had an author friend say, I need a website. I know you can do that. So it was just sort of organic. And it was like, well, I can make a little living doing this kind of thing. Okay. And so you started out just doing a little bit of HTML here and there. Absolutely. Uh, yep. Okay. Simple design, very, um, I, I knew how to build websites because of my career. I knew what went into a good website, what made them searchable, how to get SEO. And, uh, but what I realized I was better at other than the HTML stuff was the actual copywriting. So I did take some courses and started to really dig into the marketing mm -hmm. um, aspects, which okay. is ultimately what brought me to publishing. Well, and you know, one of the things we hear among a lot of writers these days, um, gosh, how should we put this? I'm old enough that when I started writing, it was back in the days when you sent hard copy off to a publisher with a self-addressed stamped envelope so they could send it back when they didn't want it. Uh, you'd wait maybe three months before you heard anything back. These days, uh, uh, recently I saw a, a statistic that on Amazon, one third of their books are independently published. Yeah, I think 4,500 books are published daily. Yeah. Which is yeah. A, a tremendous number. Many of those are independently published, what used to be called self-publishing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that here's the thing is I think that no matter how someone chooses to publish, as long as it's in alignment with their goals and their dreams and they understand what's involved, I'm all for independent publishing. I'm all for going to the traditional publisher and I'm all certainly all for using a hybrid publisher. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's, uh, I was thinking about how you had author friends who said, I need a website we hear from a lot of writers that I just want to write. I don't want to have to do the marketing thing, but I hear you saying, Hey, it was the marketing that I was good at. That's what drew me. So is that kind of a, I know it's a cliche way to put it, but this is a win-win kind of situation. Everybody can work to their strengths. Everyone can work to their strengths. And here's the thing. Yes. I'm also a writer and I love the act of writing but being a writer doesn't necessarily make you an author. And if one is publishing a book, just to put it up, let's just say for argument's sake, putting it up on Amazon and saying, hey, I published a book. Awesome. Big celebration. And this isn't the field of dreams. You publish it, they aren't going to find you. You actually have to tell people about it. And that's marketing. And there's there's ways of doing marketing that that invite people to that attract people to your work, as opposed to being an asshole and saying, buy my book, buy my book, buy my book, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, as I know you are. And there's this phenomenon on there that is known as pitch slapping. You know what I'm talking about for folks? I who, know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, for folks who aren't familiar with it, these are folks who will reach out for connection. And as soon as you connect, they try to to sell you something. Yeah, it's so gross. 
Yeah, yeah. So as we're talking about marketing, that's not the kind of thing we're talking about. And, and I, again, I love the phrase you used about don't be an asshole. You've got to have a relationship, a connection. Um, and, and so um, let's kind of test this. You've got your own way of putting this, I'm sure. Uh, marketing is not about pushing your stuff. It's about finding the people who need what you are putting out there and also identifying the people who don't need it so that they can move on. Now, that's 100%. an awkward way to put it, but, you know, it's as much about filtering as anything. I think marketing done well attracts people to your book, your business, your whatever it is that you're putting into the universe or the world. And it also repels the wrong people. So it's got to do both. And it's, it's easier when you spend time identifying who is your ideal audience, whether it's your, you as a business owner, you as a podcast person, you as an author, because an author is a kind of business, right? Absolutely. Um, really identifying one or two people and name them so that when you're writing your copy or you're writing your emails or your social media posts, you're writing to one person. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, it gets away from the, the pushy aspect. You know, this Bob Berg, who is uh, somebody that a lot of the folks on this podcast will know that there's a good chance he's listening right now. Uh, he's one of the co-authors of The Go-Giver. And he talks about, I'm trying to think how he puts it. This may be just my own take on it. Um, you can't push a rope. Oh, that's beautiful. But you can pull. Yeah. You know, and, and so uh, that doesn't feel sleazy because it's not. It's truly focused on value. And uh, I know this is his phrase. He says, yeah, asking about money is a good question. It's just not a good first question. 100%. And it's usually a good indicator for me that that's not a good fit. Yeah. Somebody for me to work with is I'm looking for, I'm, I'm all about service and being a servant leader. How can I best serve the people that I'm working with in whatever format that takes so that they can have the best experience, which then fills my cup as well? Exactly. Exactly. In fact, he, he says that money comes like thunder to lightning. He phrases it slightly different, but I love that idea of it being the echo of value as opposed yeah. to the focal point. So what in your background, did you have a revelation of that suddenly or did that kind of develop over time? Has this always just been a part of your personality that this was your, your orientation? What do you think? I think it's a little bit of both, honestly. Um, I taught myself to read at four years old and um, had my mother teach me how to draw my signature because in back in the day, in order to get a library card, you had to be able to sign your name. And okay. I hadn't learned cursive in school yet. So she taught me how to draw my signature. And I earned a library card, at, I think at five years old. And so my dad was in the military. We moved everywhere. I was an extreme introvert. So getting the library card was the um, magical key to unlocking 
where I lived. And so I've always been a reader and I've always been wherever I've worked, been the person who people would come and say, can you help me make this sound better? Can you help me improve my words? Will you write the newsletter? Will you interview this person? And so I think I was building the skills all along to do this. And, you know, it's interesting because I, I, I'm of the mindset that when something is aligned, you get notice right away. And so I knew that I was supposed to do something with words. I know I'm a writer. I know I'm an editor. But I knew there was something more. But I didn't know what that was. And then literally one day I woke up and it's like, wait a minute. I know the finance piece. I know the process piece. I know how to do things differently. I'm an author and I know how lonely a world that is. I'm supposed to publish books. And immediately the next week, I got an invitation in my email out of the blue from a university, a friend of Joanna Penn's actually, uh, Kevin J. Anderson was heading up a program at Western Colorado University for a master's in publishing. And I signed up immediately and there you have it. The rest is history. Yeah, yeah. In fact, you mentioned that program. I believe uh, Mark Leslie Lefebvre is going through that program right now. He's, uh, he another, absolutely is. Yeah, huge, huge name in in uh, publishing and independent publishing. Yeah, he's but a great guy. It's kind of a small world that, that we work around in here. It's so true. Okay. Now, uh, and I've heard Mark talk about this before. I think he he does a small imprint for other authors as well. He does. There's a huge difference between publishing your own stuff and publishing other people's stuff. And so you may have actually asked this question of yourself at 2 a.m. when there's some difficulties come along, but we're going to ask it in a positive manner. That is, why are you doing that as opposed to maybe just providing services? Uh, you know, what led you to being a publisher? I think it goes back to that servant mentality. It goes to wanting to give people a voice, but wanting their work to be elevated. So this isn't the truth necessarily all the time now, but in the early days of self-publishing, people who were super frustrated by the traditional publishing process suddenly had an avenue for publishing their work. And so they published oftentimes early drafts with homemade covers. And so very early on, self-publishing got a terrible rap for books that weren't well-written, weren't professionally designed. And that breaks my heart because when you pour yourself onto a page and you pour yourself into a story, you owe it to yourself to have it do well, to make that difference. And, you know, that happened with my own dad. He had a book that he had written. He wanted me to edit it. But at the time, I was a brand new mom with a very sick baby. And he got frustrated. So he self-published. And he had to buy thousands of books at the time. It was different than print on demand now. And when I saw his story is great, but it really needed a great editor. And it definitely needed a professional cover design. So I think that there was some of that that I saw 
what was possible. I saw what was needed in the community. And I know that I can make that difference and help serve those authors to help elevate their book, but also elevate their mindset and elevate their authorial business. Okay. Okay. I mean, this makes a lot of sense. And again, for folks who are listening, who may not know, uh, what would I say, the nuances of publishing these days. When, when I was growing up as a writer, uh, what you're talking about with your dad sounds like what we used to call vanity publishing. Absolutely. And, and I'm not going to name names of companies or, or anything like that, but there was a tendency basically for them to take the money and run. So to speak. Absolutely. You could wind up with hundreds of copies, thousands of copies of your book sitting in the garage and nothing much happening. Uh, and because of that, people sometimes will view self-publishing these days as being a resort. You know, whether this is what people do who couldn't get their books published by a major publisher. Uh, I'll trot down a little side path here. I have a, uh, a friend here in, in our community. Uh, he's written three books over several years, his first book was picked up by Random House. Don't mind naming them because they did a great job with it to begin with uh, and became a Newbery Award winner. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, you know, he's still, after 20 years, he's still uh, taking some nice checks from them, but it's pennies on the dollar because they did all of the publishing work and all that sort of thing. Now they earn their money, you know, nothing against them. But when he went to write his second book, they did not want the character to age. And that was the necessity of the second book. Mm. So he went with a small publisher who really didn't know what they were doing. And uh, I don't want to say the book tanked, but it didn't do nearly as well as that first one. It was as good or better. I mean, he's a good writer. You know, and so uh, I'm setting this up in order to say it's not about the quality of the writing. It's whether a given book fits what a given publisher is looking for. And so for his third book, he decided to do independent publishing. And again, for our listeners, the reason I keep using the term independent publishing is just because sometimes people do have uh, a prejudice about the term self-publishing because they're equating it with vanity publishing. Yes. So one of the things I think for your mission is to help people to understand if we're talking about quality self-publishing, you know, it is going to do as well or better the writer and the publisher put in more work, but then at the same time, they get to keep more of the rewards for their work. 100%. Is this a reasonable way to put this? I think it's a great way to, to frame it, because if you think about, I, I do it in terms of if you're going with a traditional publisher, you've got to look at time from time of acquisition to time of a book in your hands. So it's usually pretty long. You've also got to look at the division of royalties, who's getting what. If there's an advance, it's going to be a limited, maybe 10%, and you're going to share that with an agent. Um, and the marketing of that, they will provide some marketing assets, but nowadays, you're still going to be the one marketing your book. That's just the truth of it. They will provide some marketing assets. I have a, a local friend who writes middle grade fiction, also with big publisher, all three of her books. 
And it wasn't until her third book that they actually gave her a publicist. And she was nominated for some of the Caldecotts and things like that. So excellent writing, very well received. But it was her third book that actually brought her that kind of support. Whereas, as you said, if you're doing an independent or self-publishing, it's 100% of the risk, 100% of the reward. doesn't mean you have to do it all yourself. You can have a publisher um, work behind the scenes as a service, right, to, to help you with the ISBNs, getting into the Library of Congress, getting it formatted, having a beautiful cover. Um, and then there's the, the wild west of hybrid publishing in between. And at the low end of that is vanity. And at the higher end of that is something that operates very similar to a traditional publisher. And there's everything in between. So, and they're all great avenues. It just depends on how much you as the author want to do with the actual publishing piece of it. Cause you're going to do the marketing just like, yeah. just like you and I talked about our children, right? We can have great teachers. We can have great support, great professionals in their lives, but no one cares more about your children than you do. Indeed. It's the same as your book. Uh, in fact, uh, for I think for a lot of writers, that emotional connection in a way is what makes it difficult. Uh, I think that's where having a publisher can really be helpful, what we say in terms of mindset. Um, if you're 100% independently published, there is a point at which you have to say, I'm letting go of this as an author. And I'm going to think of it now as a business person. Yes. Because you are in business. Now, it's not it's not necessarily if you have a negative view of business that it's just all about money grubbing and all that kind of thing. I mean, the most successful businesses are oriented towards service and making a difference first. We've already talked about that. And so as uh as a writer, you have to at some point start thinking about who is this book for? Uh, whose life is it going to change? How is it going to change it? Uh, we've, we've had the crawl, and for folks who are on here um, audio only, we've had the crawl going across the bottom for a while uh, to Debbie's um, uh, publishing business. It is highlanderpressbooks.com. And I think this is probably a good time for us to, for those who can see it on the screen, let's go ahead and let's see, share screen. Uh, as I frequently say, this is like running a starship sometimes. <laughs> okay, here, here, here is the website here. Okay, and, and there's all kinds of useful material here about writing the book, publishing the book, stand out from the crowd. I mean, 4,500 new books every day. There is a need to stand out. Uh, it's not just about shouting into the ether. It's about finding the people who need to read your books. Absolutely. So would you, would you have any, uh, while we've got this on the screen, would you have any uh, suggestion for people on where to start on your site here, highlanderpressbooks.com? So all the way at the very top on the left-hand side, I actually made a, a video recording um, explaining the publishing options. So um, really diving into the three main ways to publish, what are the pros and cons of each, and so that people who are writers that want to become authors 
can actually make informed decisions about what works for them. And it's not me saying one way is better than the other, because I don't believe that. I think it's very individual. And, but go in with some education, understanding what the pros and cons are of each avenue. So I say that's always a great place to start because um, it's a grounding and a foundational understanding. Okay, so we've we've got a QR code up on the screen for folks who want the convenience. That helps a lot there. So I would encourage you to go check that out because I can tell just right off the bat, this is not, uh, you know, Debbie's following her own philosophy here. You know, she's not pushing. She's pulling people who can benefit from her expertise and, and helping you to get those those ideas out there. Um, and in fact, I think one of the topics that you talk about, I'm, I'm looking for where I've got it in front of me here, uh, why writing and publishing your story matters. I mean, if, if I think for most writers, it doesn't, it doesn't start with the money because there's easier ways to make money. So how is it that you help to draw people's story out effectively? So I think, you know, there's, there's, if we, let's talk about a genre like nonfiction versus fiction, and we publish both. But if we're talking nonfiction, and, and I'll use you as an example, Don, like you came from a radio background, you have your business, you have a podcast. What drew you to that? Why did you choose this path? Or did the path choose you? Mm-hmm. What decisions did you make along the way? What did you learn? What were the challenges that stopped you? Where, when you came to crossroads, what were your decision points? And and the importance of sharing that kind of information with others isn't navel gazing, as some people might say. It's really about highlighting what's possible. Because I don't know about you, but I grew up in a in a household where I was the first one to go to college. I still go, I'm still learning. And it wasn't, it wasn't normal in my family. It wasn't even considered possible. And I'm also the first one to have a business, by the way. Okay. So how do, how is what you've experienced? How can that shine a light on a path for somebody else to say, oh, I didn't even know that was possible or, oh, that's interesting. I wonder what skill sets I have, where are my interests? So it can be inspirational, it can be aspirational. And and if you're talking about fiction, you know, we fiction is often whether it's even sci-fi or fantasy or historical fiction, it's about people. It's about relationships, and we can oftentimes take people through a story that makes it more accessible. By not making it nonfiction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, historically, uh, that's probably not even the right word. Humans have always made sense of their experience through stories and storytelling. Absolutely. I'll, I'll, uh, a little bit of shameless self-promotion here. Uh, my book, The Way of the Three-Year-Old Why, comes right out of that kind of thing. As a business parable, it's combining aspects of fiction and nonfiction. And I just, I relate so, so well to what you're saying about, you know, drawing that story forth for the benefit of readers. So is that, 
is that your primary satisfaction, you think, as a publisher? I absolutely love. So we, we have a couple of different things that we do that's different. So first, let me just acknowledge your book. I was actually reading about it, and I thought, you know, I, from my Six Sigma days, we actually had a process to get to the root cause of something, and it was called the five whys. And you just keep asking why, like a child would. And I just love that that premise of your of your book. So, um, and I love parables. Um, Tim Templeton's um, "The Referral of a Lifetime" is a is another example of a great parable because it makes everything more accessible. So, thank you for writing and sharing your wisdom that way. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you. Um, so. One of the things that I'm really passionate about is educating people about the author business. And if somebody's going to self-publish, great. If somebody's going to publish with us, great. They go through our author academy, and that academy basically breaks down what is it to be an author? What is intellectual property? What are your rights as an author? What kind of cover do you want? What do you want to portray? Who's your ideal reader? How are you going to market your book? What are the options available to you? Um, growing an email list, what does that mean? Because if you, writing and publishing is really just two of five steps, right? So you write it, you write a great book, you publish a great book, but then what? You've got to actually launch it mm -hmm. and then you've got to continue to promote it. So it's really most people stop at just the, the writing piece, hmm. maybe the publishing, maybe the editing piece, but they're super important. Each of these steps has multiple layers to them. And when we sell ourselves short, it's such a, it's such a loss, not only for us as authors, but it's a loss for our potential, the people who are meant to be served by our books. Absolutely. Absolutely. When I was in the, um, the National Speakers Association some years ago, I understand they don't quite emphasize this as much as they used to. Maybe they do. Anyway, uh, they would advise speakers to not think of yourself as speakers, but as experts in a certain area. And you're going to use speaking and writing and blogging and courses and whatever means to get your message out there to help the folks who need what you have to see. Sounds like that that approach works for nonfiction writers and fiction writers. It really does. It, it really does. And I think that, you know, sharing that from the, the speaking perspective is, is hugely important because that can translate to so many other areas of our lives, whether it's in our communities where can we be an expert in our communities? Where can we be an expert in our business? Where can we be an expert and bring people along for the for a journey and a story? An expert, by the way, doesn't mean you have to know everything there is to know about a particular topic. Um, you have a particular point of view, perhaps, or just in even in terms of that we might think of as traditional expertise you know a little more than your target audience. And so you're offering it to them to help them to level up. I love that perspective. And um, I always say that, you know, you, you often hear people say, I, I want to write something, but it's all been said before. 
And the truth is it may have been said before, but it's never been said by you before. It's never been shared through your perspectives. It's never been um, given your voice or your actual, your, your lived experience. And that's what makes something different. Mm-hmm. In fact, it, it occurs to me, you probably deal with people on two extremes. When you run into people at a, at a party and they find out what you do, I'll, I'd bet money if I were a betting man, which I'm not, that people say, oh, I thought about writing a book. I mean, everybody thinks about writing a book. Very yeah. few people actually write it. And in that set, very few people actually bring it to publication. But then at the other extreme, as you just mentioned, people who would say, well, I, I don't really have anything to say. So we've got these extremes. Is part of your job helping people to find the middle ground there? It, part of it is. And I, I, part of it is talking people off the ledge, too, because as we get closer to books coming out, as you know, you've done this. Um the little gremlins in our voices, in our heads, start shouting, who are you? The fraud factor, the flag goes high. And and I oftentimes a lot of what I, I'm a calming influence, like let's, this is normal. Mm. No matter how many books Stephen King puts out, do you think that he thinks this one's going to be his best? He probably is, you know, a bundle of nerves, just like the rest of us. You know, Anne Lamont talks about that all the time where, yeah. you know, then, and I think that that's really important to normalize that we all go through this and let's hold hands and go through it together. You can go through it by yourself, but when you can surround yourself with other people who've gone through it before, or who are going through it with you, it just makes all the difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. And speaking of going through together, I, one of the things I want to be sure we get up here is your LinkedIn QR code. Now, for folks who are audio only, you know, it's a little hard to say that out loud, but we will have links in the show notes. So make sure that you remember confidencecultivators.com. Uh, that's where you can go to find the show notes and you can link to Debbie's LinkedIn. Those of you who are on um, video, then you can make use of this QR code. And in fact, Debbie has her own website. So that is, uh, and, and I should have had that crawl on here. Don't think That's I have that. Right. Yeah, but, but, and you know, we can show that. Yeah, so let's show Debbie's website here. Did I get the right one? Yeah. You yeah. did. <laughs> yeah, so I want folks to find this because there's also material on here about Debbie speaking and her portfolio. You know, so this is DebraKeven.com. That's D-E-B-O-R-A-H-K-E-V-I-N, DebraKeven.com. And links to be able to get the books. Now, I see that you're published wide. Um, yes. And for folks who are not in the industry, you know, wide just simply means, in essence, these days, you're not limited to just the river in Brazil so to speak. <laughs> yeah. and, and I mean, Absolutely. We, we love Amazon, but you know, Amazon is not the only one out there. And so publishing wide is a different publishing approach. Uh, more of a long tail kind of, uh, would you say? I mean, traditional publishing tends to focus on the big launch and everything you sell in three months. But after that, things can tend to kind of fall yeah. off. 
And that's true uh, whether you're publishing wide, as I and I can talk about that in a second, or you're just going on the river in South America. Um, uh, and there are benefits to, to both. I'm a big fan of going wide for a number of reasons, is that Number one, it's the way to get your books in bookstores and libraries. Bookstores and libraries do not purchase from the river in South America. Um, and it also allows you to have your book available in any way that somebody might want to read it. I know people who only read things digitally and some people who only read things from Barnes and Noble or, you know, so having it be available however and wherever just increases your probability that the right people will want to purchase your book and, and then can get the wisdom that you're sharing. Do you uh, help authors set up their websites so that they, they can optimize? Another shameless self-promotion here, folks. I've got the crawl going now for donking.com slash 3YO, and I follow the wide publishing for exactly the reasons you're talking about. Yeah. But this can be something, it's daunting enough for authors to get things on Amazon to be able to get it wide. Yeah. It takes a lot more interaction. Yes and no. Um, if, if that's a decision up front, it's actually easier than you might think. Mm -hmm. Because if you're doing the research, and we can talk, we can get a little geeky if you want. If you're doing the research to find out the most comparable books and the best publishing categories and the best keywords for people to find your book, make them searchable. That information you can get in, it will go in Amazon, it will go um, on Ingram, and it would also go in draft to digital if you're publishing it with draft to digital. Mm -hmm. And I'm a big fan, we do all three. So if you're doing the research, it's already there. The interior file is going to be the same for all three. Um, with uh, is that true? Uh, no, it's not true. It'll be the same print. Digital is a little bit different. Right, right. Um, and then you just need a different cover. And it's the same cover. It's just resized depending upon the platform. So it's not that difficult. But again, it's a mindful decision of what's going to serve you um and where you want to put your time i mean this is where somebody with your expertise can really shorten the time and the effort involved absolutely well, all of our authors that we've published they they come away with two things the first is they didn't realize how complex the publishing process was and they're grateful that they didn't have to do it but they understand how it works at least at a high level. Mm -hmm. The second is the community. Like we are big about our community because as you know, as an author, you are, it's a solo endeavor. Yeah. But when you have other people who are surrounding you and supporting you and encouraging you throughout the entire process and then ongoing with your book marketing and opportunities and connection, it just makes everything easier it makes the lows less less deep and the highs more enjoyable excellent excellent well we are a little over time what we you know just, and it's okay it's always my fault we we hypothetically we have a half hour program i think every single episode we're we're by the time this airs it's going to be somewhere around episode number 50 
<laughs> goes about 45 minutes. But I, I don't want to leave without asking my favorite closing question, which is usually there is something that you wish that I had asked that I didn't. What would that question be and what would your answer to that be? I guess my question, the question uh, would be, what's your best advice for people, especially in the entrepreneurial world, but I think this, this applies to anything. And my best advice is don't be afraid to fail forward. Okay. So failing forward means, I, I think I know what it means, but just to make sure folks get your take on it. Yeah. So I love living by this because first of all, we normalizing failure. And I think failure only becomes a failure if we don't learn from it. It's a mistake that we can learn from. And if we're not afraid to make mistakes and own them when we make them and be transparent and do all of the things along the way, we, we open ourselves up for um, exponential growth. And we can go places that we never thought possible. That's what it means to me. All righty. Very good. Well, Debbie, I, Debbie, Deborah, I, <laughs> I keep going back and forth, but I know you're covered with both. I just so much appreciate you coming on the Alignment Show, sharing your journey that supports people who are making their own journey. Thank so, uh, folks, uh, I'm going to turn it back over to my live self. Uh, I've never, you know, uh, I'm going to go a little sideways here. Debbie, we've talked a little bit about uh, Joe Penn, Joanna Penn. She has one of the top 20 podcasts in the world. And she's always so smooth in how she goes from her intro to the recorded interview and then back out to herself. I've not mastered that, you know, so uh, we'll just awkwardly turn it back over to my live self and uh, see who is coming up next week. So once again, thank you for being here with us this week. Thank you so much for having me. What a wonderful conversation. And I will be working on that. How do I turn it over thing? You know, we'll we'll. We're all learning, aren't we? In fact, it uh, kind of key off of one of the last things that Debbie said there, uh, the idea about failure. Uh, I've always put it that we're always either earning or learning. And isn't it cool when we can do both at the same time? But you're always doing at least one of those. I also want to mention uh, that uh, we, we uh, talked a little bit about Debbie's book, I'm going to put a QR code up here. She's written a book called You've Written Your Book, Now What? Uh, and uh, I'll have a link in the show notes for those of you who are interested in taking a look at it. Also coming up here in a few weeks, I don't have the exact date in mind, but we mentioned Mark Leslie Lefebvre. And uh, after we recorded this, I was able to schedule Mark. He's going to be a guest of ours. Uh, he has been a bookseller for... Gosh, I think he started like 20 years ago or something like that. Anyway, he has been heavily involved in the publishing side. And uh, so he's going to be a great guest to talk about his journey coming up. Speaking of coming up next week, we have Anna Cancevelos. I think I said her name right. Uh, when I joined the, uh, the Go-Giver Success Alliance, the Bob Berg group that you hear us mention frequently, Anna was the first person that I met there. And she's really an impressive person, an impressive business person. She comes from a healthcare background. So it's going to be a fascinating conversation about her journey coming up in um, 
seven days. It'll be a week from today that we will have her on. Looking forward to all of those. I hope that this has been time well spent for you, that it encourages you in your journey. And so until next week, we will encourage you to live your values, to value your life. That's it for this week's episode of The Alignment Show. What has it inspired you to do in your own life? Whatever it is, take action now and take the first step. It will help you to talk with a friend about what you're thinking. Share confidencecultivators.com to spread the goodness. And remember to live your values and value your life. We will see you next week on The Alignment Show. Oh,